listening to the Mondays with Midger podcast. Founder and CEO of Legal Leadership, a company specialising in the leadership training and coaching of lawyers. Get set to jumpstart your week with a shot of mojo as Midger and her guests talk all things life, love and leadership. Hey, it's Monday and I'm Midja and welcome to the podcast all about life, love and leadership. Super excited today to have in our podcast studio the amazing Tara Lukey, who is also known as the Queen of Wills. So welcome Tara to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Midja. On this uh, another rainy day on the Gold Coast. Yeah, so much for the sunshine state, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I know. I know. Crazy stuff. Um... But that won't curb our enthusiasm today as we uh, we talk about leadership and particularly interested in, you know, Tara's journey from working within a law firm and and now running her own business. So she'll talk to us more about that. But I wanted to start with a question, of course, before my guests come on, I do my research, Google them, find, you know, their websites and LinkedIn and other podcasts that they've been on. But tell me, Tara, something about you that I would not have found out in my Google search. Well, let's see how good your searching was (laughs) and your detective skills. Um, I think one thing people don't know about me is that I was actually born and raised as a country girl on a farm. Like the whole shebang, home butchering, riding motorbikes. Because like you have such everything. a love of the, the beach and the ocean, I know, by following you on Instagram and stuff. So where did that come from and the move to the Gold Coast? Uh, I actually think it came from living in Brisbane for, I think, about 14 years. And mm-hmm. before I ended up moving here, I had sort of – my world had narrowed so much that I was working from home and living in my little two-bedroom apartment at Clayfield – and I would work really long hours in my spare room, home office, you know, and I had this glorious view of the bins of the apartment oh complex. Boy. And yep. I would go to yoga. I did yoga like nearly every day, but I was literally, my feet never touched the ground. Right. I was just yes. in my apartment, would get in the car, go practice in a building at Newstead, get back in the car, pop in at the coffee shop and back to my apartment. So... Moving to the Gold Coast and just being able to experience nature every day, multiple times a day, mm. was so soothing for me. And mm-hmm. I had this, I had this real feeling of discontent in Brisbane, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And right. I really think it was a lack of nature. Yes. Okay. And so, tell us a little bit also around because I don't know whether that coincided also with your the switch from like practicing law in a big firm, but maybe take us back to, you know, following your studies and the beginning of your career as a lawyer and tell me tell me a little bit about that. Um, absolutely. So I had a very much like stay on the train tracks start to my career. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I went to a school called Jinjin State High, which was very rural. There was like 300 kids total wow, okay. there. And I knew that university was my key to um, getting out of Jinjin and Bundaberg basically. So I just like went so hard at that and did law and accounting because um, I actually wanted to be a music teacher and I 
got into music at one of the universities, but not the um, the university I wanted to. Okay. And so last minute I went, okay, well, I don't know if that's going to work out. I don't know anything about maths and science, so I'm just going to do accounting and law and hopefully that will cover my bases and off I go and I kind of fell onto the law path. Mm-hmm. Did my degree in like five years as the double degree. Where did you study, Tara? QUT. Oh, yeah, same with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I... I was probably there a little bit before your time probably. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I, I, yeah, QUT, five, I did double degrees as yeah, well that at QUT great. five years. Yeah. They had that like OP guarantee. Yes. So I got in and just got on the train tracks and then I was really fortunate to get a clerkship um, and a graduate position at McCullough Robertson. Mm-hmm. And then I was really immersed in that. I was at McCullough Robertson for eight years, so worked my way up to senior associate. Mm-hmm. But I was really, really immersed in the MCR for life. This is yes. the firm I'm part of. This is, you know, um, which I think in hindsight, one of the things that I, if I could do it again or I could tell my younger self mm-hmm. is that I really wish I had more mentors outside of my firm. Yes. So that I – because I, I was – really I don't I want the word coming to mind is indoctrinated but I think it's too harsh a word but, but I get it I, I get it and, yeah. and well you would know right sim- similar advice that I give uh, I give uh, you know young law students or, or people starting in their careers is that yeah I was the same it was head down it was head down in my own <clears throat> firm that I worked for and my head didn't come up I didn't pop like a little meerkat I didn't put it up and look or talk to many people outside of the firm I worked in. So absolutely I get that. Yeah. And I think, you know, my, the journey of my career has really been a lesson in learning my self-worth because I think when you're in a firm you get pigeonholed into positions or you just accept the crumbs they give you and – that was definitely something for me. You know, I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep working hard to become a senior associate. And I worked for this in the same team with the same partner for over 10 years. Wow. And I was like, the devil I know is better than um, the devil I don't. And I just kind of pulled up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one of the things that we did about – I was a senior associate. It was in – I think 2014, I might have been there about eight years, mm-hmm. we left McCullough Robertson and set up our own firm. And so it was basically like the senior leadership team from a practice division at McCullough's mm-hmm. set up, um, we left and set up a firm called View Legal. Okay. And our, the reason we did that was because we all specialise in estate planning mm-hmm. and one of the challenges with estate planning is accessibility. So everyday Australians having accessible, affordable um, and quality estate planning solutions is a real problem mm-hmm. in this country. It still is. And we were sort of pioneering online wills. Okay. Um, and online wills can be a bit of a dirty word, but it was more, it was like in a wholesale solution to financial advisors and accountants through a lot of like the MLC and, and, and AB like licensees. Sure. And it was just at um, loggerheads with the business plan for like a large full service Mm. firm so we're just constantly up against tension with the leadership there so we decided to just go and set up our own 
firm and, and do it out on our do own Do the work terms. you wanted to do, yeah, you're and, passionate about. And yeah, and, you know, you're so much more nimbly and innovative when you're in a small startup compared to, like, it's like trying to turn the Titanic around, you know? <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I get that even my business now sometimes, um, just the logistics of proposals and 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 procurement of being paid and there's a lot of yeah hoops to jump through yeah. um as opposed to sometimes when I'm working with a very small firm and yeah they're like great let's just get it great, done let's do it however we can do yeah we'll make it happen yeah yes yeah okay so then that uh so then yeah so that was another turning point obviously starting that that smaller practice and smaller firm um so where where to from there now that yeah, you're so I'd made you I'd now. made it. I was a partner. I wasn't even thirty. Oh my I, god! I was like I ticked all the boxes, but I was deeply unhappy. Oh my goodness! This is deeply so, unhappy. This is the thing. This is the thing. We tick the boxes that we think on some sort of mission statement thing. When I get to this, I will be happy and fulfilled, and and life will be complete. And then oh no, what? Like I've ticked them, and I'm not happy. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I was I was working really long hours and mm-hmm. I had done so I was approaching burnout. Mm-hmm. My resilience. Uh, the the um work environment was getting a little bit toxic. Mm-hmm. And I I mean I don't like, you know, I don't want to be like focusing on bad thing you know it's no point like dredging up what happened and why and all of that and there was a multitude of reasons around it and I think one of them too was you you know we had four partners three of which had been hired by another partner and we we were hired as uni students research clerks and then transitioning up to becoming co-partners that's a really difficult transition and we didn't have any we didn't hire anyone like you to help mm-hmm. us. There was no sort of we we're just making it up as we went. So there's like rela- relationship dynamics, there's different pressures, um, different expectations. And for me, I was out of alignment with the vision of some of the other partners for the firm. Mm-hmm. Like I was approaching burnout. Yes. You know, so I was like, actually, I need to – I don't want to – list our law firm on the stock exchange I don't Mm -hmm. want to like be the biggest law firm in Australia doing wills I just want to have a good life and I was well I must have been like 29 or something I was in a relationship but not married had no kids so I was actually looking at well what does my life look like Mm. from here so I I probably shouldn't have gone into that venture if I had been really truly aligned with my values and what was important mm-hmm. to me instead of just going I'm on the train tracks great this is a great way to tick the box so um, I had like a series of things including a really disastrous relationship breakdown that yep. was then followed by um, like a health breakdown I guess or just burnout yes and I moved to the Gold Coast I mean, if I know we talk about dating stories, I've yes. got so many. <laughs> I'm, I've got so many, but I'm like, I actually moved to the Gold Coast because I met this guy who, like, 
was pretty much couch surfing and then actually surfing all day on the Gold Coast. And so we like, I was like, great, I'll move to the Gold Coast with you. It was the best thing and the worst thing. But, Love that. You know, it was great because it got me here and then I was like, whoa, okay, I really started to reassess what my life was and I was like, um, and things had gotten to a real um, climax in terms of I was just not resilient enough and tolerating things that were going on in the business. Mm-hmm. And not coping and getting really um, developing a lot of anxiety. Okay. I mean, I feel like a lot of lawyers are prone to anxiety because of this perfectionist nature. And I particularly worked for someone who would like, if you had two extra like full stops or not enough spaces in between a sentence, like they'd pull you up on it. So I was mm. really in that like perfectionist um, zone, but I'd never really suffered from anxiety or anything mental health really but I was getting to the point where you know I was like too scared to check my emails I would fixate on things and I was like I can't do it so I just took um like a year off working right so and and initially it was like I'm just going to take like three months off work and then I was like, I'm not coming back, guys. <laughs> like, they, I'm not, I'm not coming back. And then about maybe like six months later, I was like, I'll come back and I'll just do like this. I did online meetings, so I didn't really have any client carriage. Mm-hmm. I didn't, um, be, wasn't involved in anything going on at the firm. They would just be like, book in my calendar the meeting. I'd get the briefing 15 minutes before, show up and do the like dancing all star wills. Yep explanation (laughs) performance and then I'd get paid for that and that was it so I did that a lot and I just I lay on the beach I did those coloring in books that were really it's the mindfulness coloring that were big yes yeah and I just went oh I need to like have the youth that I never had because Mm -hmm. I just worked in my 20s so you know looking back I guess and also for you know a lot of lawyers and professionals I speak to now who are you know feeling overwhelmed and feeling that anxiety and everything piling up um I know that uh you made the choice to kind of to leave and make some huge decisions around that but any advice or 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 steps that you think lawyers and other professionals can take when they're feeling like that and maybe for them they feel that yeah like practicing law in a large or medium-sized firm is where they want to be and and it's they do want to progress there but the day-to-day management or self-leadership is not there or not working for them tips around that well, first of all, I just want to make sure no one's under the impression that I did this with grace and, you know, I had a total breakdown. <laughs> it was, it like was I left it way Beautiful <laughs> and yoga on the beach. Yeah, and I was yes, like, at the, the right surfer. time. No, I held, I held on to it for so long. Yep. I, I think I held on for like at least two years longer mm-hmm. than I ought to have, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, if with hindsight, I, I mean, I think, I think if you can, it's it's a lot harder to come back once you've gone over the edge than it is to like put the brakes on and and stop. You know, like I mm-hmm. had to, I had, I couldn't work full time for a long. Well, I felt like I couldn't work mm-hmm. full time for a 
couple of years. I just did not have the energy. There was nothing in the tank. Um, and I had the absolute privilege that I had no dependence. It yes. was just me. And because I had worked so hard, I had like a big financial buffer that mm-hmm. I could just cruise. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of tread water for a few years. Um, and I know a lo- that's a huge privilege that people with pe- – where there's people relying on you, you don't yes. have that. But I do think if you can feel and, and admit to yourself that something is not right, mm-hmm. then it, even though it takes a lot of courage, like trying to turn it around earlier, I think you'll end up better. And so for me, I think – Getting outside of my little echo chamber and my bubble and, as I said, getting mentors, Mm -hmm. whether they're in your industry or outside of your industry and getting a support team and and realising, like, I didn't think I had any other options, which is wild. But I remember um, I I had started my social media stuff around then and so Mm -hmm. people knew what was kind of going on with me which is a bit weird because like, they didn't even know me but I particularly remember um a estate planning lawyer Zinta Harris oh yes I know Zinta Zinta's yes, amazing my, yeah and she took time out of her day she called me up I think she was packing to go on a like five week <laughs> trip to Latvia with her two kids and yeah. her husband and she took time out of her day to call me up and basically give me a pep talk and just say you can do it start yeah. your own firm don't have to go back to that environment you've got so many options and I that was like five years ago and I still remember that because I didn't think I had other options because I had such a small circle of influence yes back then um so I think just exploring and being curious about what else is out there that you could do Mm -hmm. I mean changing anything up takes tremendous courage and you're definitely going to feel terrified and scared you know absolutely it's, it's not going to be easy but yep. nothing worth doing is easy yeah and I love that that you know because certainly for me when I'm when I'm talking to people in particular lawyers and so forth I, I find that one of the jobs that I have or part of what I'm there to do is to is to bring the lightness to their role um yet to do serious work but but also to bring back some of the play in that and and let's try that and and to listen and and all of that kind of stuff and and mm, yeah often people walk away and sometimes I go I don't know what happened there but it was just being able to chat to someone else gain a different perspective laugh a little at some stuff that went on that when you're in that bubble, you can't laugh at. You can't, you know, get a different perspective on it. It seems heavy and it seems like lack of choice and and all of that. And when we start lifting our head up, talking to others, just ch- chatting and unpacking some stuff in that, we kind of, yeah, this, this freedom or this lightness and there's just a different feel about what yeah. we bring into our roles in the office. I uh, love that. Yeah. The other thing that was really crucial for me was taking the space to really examine my values and what Mm -hmm. I wanted out of my life and career. Mm -hmm. That was really critical. And then once I'd worked that out, 
you know, and I always take do that exercise with the idea of like, what if you couldn't fail? What if it was yes. guaranteed that you couldn't fail? What would you have the audacity to ask for? Yeah. And then I stick those like non-negotiables there. And then because I had taken the space to really know that in myself, I evaluated like every opportunity that came to me. Like against, against that. that. And so I remember sort of going, okay, I'm ready to do something again. And I kind of put that out like on social media. Mm-hmm. And firstly, I was blown away by the people reaching out and the opportunities that came my way because I had made the space for them yes. to come in. Yes. I've always found that sometimes, even though you kind of want to like swing from one vine to the next, a bit like dating perhaps. Yes, yep. <laughs> you know, sometimes you actually... Swipe to the next and totally. off we go. Yes. Sometimes you actually just have to go, no, I'm not going to have the next thing lined up. I'm just going to create the space and then... See what w- turns up to fill that. I don't know if that sounds woo-woo, but... I don't, we don't mind a bit of woo-woo <laughs> on the podcast. That's absolutely but, fine. But I found that like I had to have like a clean slate... And then all of these crazy opportunities would come in. And it was like law firms saying, come and be head up our estate planning division. But I was like, I don't want to go to an office. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, we can fit in around that. And I was like, you say that, but I don't think you can. And, yes. you know, I like for me it was ultimate flexibility mm-hmm. was my main, like being able to go to a yoga class and – not have to rush and be in the office anywhere, being able to walk on the beach, being able to go and sit on the beach anytime I want, being total autonomy and control were really important to me as my values then. Yes. And so even though I had all these great opportunities, it became really clear to me which ones to pursue and commit to because when I lined them up to my values, they didn't align. Yes. So for me, that's the number one the most the best thing i ever did in this whole process was get really clear on what my values are yeah love that love that and when uh when tara came into the podcast studio today i had a bit of a giggle at uh and not a giggle i was like wow when i got this reply podcast from uh email from tara about the podcast when i asked her about dates to come into the studio uh, and there was a line in that email that said, um, I run a slow schedule and that you had reached your your maximum commitments for the month, which I think was last month. And I was like, wow, okay. You know, people will talk about that kind of stuff, you know, that I'm going to slow down, that, you know, da-da-da-da. But to see it implemented and to see it like that, I was like, wow, She's really not going to come into the podcast studio this month. She's saying she can only do it next month. I'm, you know, not, oh, I'll squeeze it in. Oh, maybe if I shift some stuff. So talk to me about this because it was like, I was like, wow, love it. The slow schedule. Thank you for honouring my boundary. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's part of it because since all of um, that happened, I, yeah, I have a two-year-old son now mm-hmm. and I am – I am really focused on not being burnt out and getting all my values right. So mm-hmm. I I actually commit to very few things. Mm-hmm. 
Um, be, and like when I say I run a slow schedule and I've meet my, you know, it's like one thing a week, <laughs> one meeting or one extra thing a week beyond what I'm working on. So a few of the things is I, I don't think I follow it perfectly, mm-hmm. but I read this book called The 12 Week Year. Oh, Have you I haven't it? read it. I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. I mean, it's, oh gosh, I don't want to um, like diminish the work of the authors, but like, I think even just understanding the concept of you you run what you would do for each year, you know, at the start of January or whatever mm-hmm. with your goal setting and you're planning all that out. You just shrink that down and you do it every three months. So you set really realistic, achievable goals and targets for a 12-week period. Mm-hmm. You map out exactly how you're going to do it. You set a reward. You you at the end of your twelve weeks, you celebrate it. Yes, and then you go, okay, regroup. What's my next one? So I sort of go. I'm working on a twelve week schedule, and I've got big goals that I want to achieve. Them. That's the only things I'm focusing on for those twelve weeks. I'm not taking anyone else's projects on. I'm not, you know, compromising my goals to fit in with someone else's schedule Mm -hmm. or goals so that I and that has been really key to me to getting things done but because it's like a 12-week thing and I know like I'm in week seven and I've got so much more work to do until this is finished I have to not fill up my diary with commitments that I'm not in charge of so I only agree to things that bring me like absolute joy and that I know I've got time to show up fully present for you want to show up yeah you know like Love like that. if I do it now, I'm like I'm here with you, and mm. I'm I'm super excited to do it, and it's fun compared to having my brain on another project, and I'm like squeezing it in, and I'm unprepared, and Ooh, just kind of resenting that. it. So I love a, that. I think, and I think until you get your values right, and one of my values is I am slow. I I don't start work until ten o'clock most days because I go to yoga, I get my kid ready, I might go down, I want to have time to go down the beach. You know, I do whatever with my husband because he works at home as well. And that, so I I don't want to feel rushed or overcommitted or have too many meetings in one day because I don't enjoy my work then. Wow. And I think that's something so many people could take away. And the f- amazing thing is I'm more abundant than ever. Yeah. It doesn't impact. It's not And like you're getting the results that yeah. you want to get. Yeah. And I mean, I had to do a lot of work about more time does not equal more money or more work does not equal more money. And Because I grew up with parents who are extremely hard workers mm-hmm. and that was sort of what I learned at the law firm experience as well. So I really had to override that thought pattern yeah, and it, it is one that I know so many people hold. Yeah. Uh, so, Tara, in your uh, career, of course, um, and even I know you work with lawyers and financial planners now, so you probably hear a lot about leadership, around great leadership, about we have a segment called leadership, which is the shittiest things people do as leaders. So can you tell me a little bit around that, particularly if you like in our legal profession and and what great leadership kind of what it looks like for you? What great leadership looks like. And maybe for you as a lawyer, like what what 
what type of leadership or what are some of the some of the traits or styles that um, that it, that worked for you or, or maybe didn't bring out the best when you were practicing in a firm? Yeah, I mean, my ex- journey with leadership is really interesting mm-hmm. because, as I said, I worked with one partner, mm-hmm. one leader the whole time. Okay, so I haven't even had that much exposure. And I actually think, like, I, I don't have a team. It's just me. Mm-hmm. I, I have a um, VA in Zimbabwe, but that's yes. it. So I've actually really shied away from being a leader and, and having to lead a team because I do feel like it's not something that is a strength of okay. mine. And, and I'm also, like, probably have a bit of a hangover of teams working badly or poorly. Yes. So um, I don't know that I have a lot of words of wisdom on. Mm. But when I, when I do see my um, friends and colleagues being great leaders is particularly in law, you know, just bringing a lot of empathy. Yeah. And That story you told about Zinta who reached out to you, like that to that's me, amazing. leadership. That's that's a leader, right? Yeah, in, and Zinta's had the same team. She's had the same team for like 15 years. Like she's an amazing mm. leader. So I think the law needs a lot more of that. Yes. Um, caring about the individual's journey. Um, one thing that I experienced a lot of was micromanaging. Mm. And I think that's the opposite of what we need in our yes. leaders now. And I do think it's hard. You know, I see what our good friend Carly Fontanelli mm-hmm. teaches in her Scalable Business Lounge because we have a lot of mutual um, law firm clients. Yes. So I'm helping the estate planning law firm owners with the technical and systems side, like, you know, mm-hmm. how, how to actually get your good precedence and train your team and, and all of that. And she's helping them on the business yes, side of things. Yes, scaling that up and doing so, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I get the benefit of seeing them implement what she's teaching them. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I'm seeing is they are growing their teams. Yes. Is she's like, get out of there. Don't check their work. Don't, you know, mm-hmm. empower them to do the right thing. Trust them. And I think that's really tough for law firms where as the owner, it's your butt on the line. And so you're really worried about mistakes and being sued. But I think as a leader, if you get real bogged down into that and micromanaging, like, well, maybe this is the leadership segment. Yes. But, you know, they would – I've known partners to look up on this document management system at matter – like the work completed on a matter by other, like, partners and senior lawyers – just on the sly to like critique it. Yes. Rather than just, you know, what a waste of time and energy and you're disempowering your team. So you just foster this culture of yes Mm. men or yes people. And as you said earlier, and I hear this from other lawyers as well as, you know, when they see an email from their partners or when they see, there's this anxiety, this thing of what now and, and what sort of, I still feel that yeah. in my bones. <laughs> I still feel it. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I try and work with leaders and, and around just this the just the culture of, of, of feedback and coaching and conversations that we have because we just all want to get better. And when we're having those kind of really positive conversations and absolutely sometimes critiquing work, 
and sometimes saying, you know, that needs to be different or, you know, that's a skill you need to work on because of this. But having those conversations in a really uh, an uplifting, positive way, that people walk away and the relationship is better because of the feedback and conversations, not worse, not a lack yeah. of trust or, or, or commitment there because of it. And it kills innovation. Oh, absolutely. Because no one's going to do anything out of the box or differently. No way. No. And I think about everything that I've achieved and, you know, in, I'm, I, I think that my business is really innovative in the legal field and wouldn't it have been great if I had been able to do that mm-hmm. and stay within the firm I was part of? But there was absolutely no way that that was going – I didn't even – have the freedom or the space to let that innovative muscle be exercised. Yes, absolutely. And we see that in different examples. Um, it's just a different paradigm. It's a different different way. And certainly I have lawyers and other professionals who even some of their personal accounts like LinkedIn and so forth are all – like vetted so they can't post anything or comment or anything or um it's really restrictive um and I'm like sure they would want you writing and and blogging and creating your own brand because that's a brand for the firm as well but sometimes it's the paradigm of scarcity and that micromanaging piece that's totally wild to me Mm. and and I do want to say the building a personal brand was really crucial for me to being yes. able to find my opportunities and, and find my own path. So talk to us a little bit, Tara, about exactly like what you do now um, and, yeah, and around that branding piece or, or just the creation of that and how that came about. Sure. So I run a business called The Art of Estate Planning. It is technically a law firm but we don't um, service retail clients. So my clients are lawyers, accountants and financial advisors and what I do for all of them is help them set up a profitable estate planning service. So for the lawyers, it's obviously different between lawyers and then the financial advisors and accountants. So the lawyers, I do things as simple as you know, providing testamentary trust will precedents and estate planning precedents um, but a lot of support as well. So I have a membership where um, each week we do group coaching and they get access to me on a technical level um, as well as lots of training about pricing and integrating precedents with their practice management systems. So really everything that the lawyer needs to be confident in the technical piece for their estate planning service that frees them up so that they have more time to focus on the people piece. Yes, they're not inventing the wheel in that space when you've got the expertise and and everything there. Exactly. That they can use. Like how many um, particularly my clients are more um, boutique firms, mm-hmm. solopreneurs, or smaller firms. Um, rather than the big end of town mm-hmm. and but what we're trying to do is give them access to all the resources that the big end of town has yes so and and a great example is like how often do people have time to actually update their precedents you know they see that a law change comes through it gets put on a list somewhere yes. but everyone's too busy in the weeds so I do that for them 
you know I'm like every few months we're like these changes need these precedent updates here they are here's here's how you understand them here's how they are they've integrated with your action step or your leap or whatever so just really trying to make and my my mission is to help these professionals deliver estate planning better so that more Australians have access to quality, affordable estate mm-hmm. planning. Yeah. And what I – obviously, you know, I follow you on the socials. What I love is that, yeah, to me you have a, like a really clear message, firstly around sort of obviously what you do and your services and your products, but also your how and and that – what you were talking about before around how you live your life and how the business is run and and yeah very much for me it is always on point um and I get a really consistent kind of clear messaging which I think from a business owner's perspective because I follow a lot of different people who have their own businesses um it's really crucial and it's important and yeah some positive feedback from me is that yeah, I really get that from you. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's definitely evolved because my mm-hmm. business has evolved and, you know, I was doing that in the art of estate planning, but for a few years I was also preparing wills. So I was like, okay. which hat am I wearing? And, yes. you know, I definitely found that the message was harder then. Yes. But since the start of 2021, I made a commitment that I'm not going to be preparing wills for clients anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just going all in. and. That's scary, but every time I've just I've gone all in or really committed, yep. it's ended up so much better. Like just being really getting rid of the safety net because for me, like preparing wills was the safety net of mm. well, I know I'll at least make that much money from those jobs, and yes, but actually getting rid of that, I made so much more money, and I had such a clearer focus. The clarity, yes, That's it. yeah. So, um, one thing that. I, the approach that I've taken, and I know there's different approaches, but I'm more of a um, – I'm really trying to lose the perfectionism mm-hmm. around it in everything I'm doing. So for social media and my personal brand, for instance, I've really just gone, let's just do it, get it out there, mm-hmm. get feedback, refine, do it again. So, you know, it's like all on my – iPhone yes. in front of a window. I don't have all the tech. I don't do yep. all the stuff. I just start and try and show up and be authentic and genuine and with a desire to hear feedback and learn. And mm-hmm. so I do feel like people can be overwhelmed with the idea of creating a personal brand and a social media Where to presence. Start? Yeah. Well, you just start, really. Absolutely doesn't matter how good or bad Mm. it is because my production level has not improved over the last five years but I've grown a whole business off the back of it and people like they people know it's me Mm. and like I meet people in person who I know online and they just think they know me already (laughs) which I love totally I love that that too and I try and show up the same on social as I do in real life. And even for us, I mean, we've only met sort of a handful of times in real life. Yeah. And events and so forth. But there's just that familiarity and that connection, I think, between us. Totally. Because of just seeing each other. Well, I feel like we're videos. friends. That's right. I mean, I haven't been to your house, but 
I just, I could, I could turn up. That's right. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we don't let a guest leave, of course, without giving me some dating advice, Tara. So I am, I'm on a bit of a mission to find big love. So I've been single for a long time and I, I just, I don't know, I'm feeling like this is my time. I feel like I'm ready and I probably haven't been. So like six or seven years I've sort of been mucking around and other priorities and things like that. Whereas now I'm like, okay, I think this, it feels like it's the right time. Um, and I know earlier you said that you've um, had some dating experiences and things like that. I know you've you've found your big love now. But advice, advice for myself, maybe other single people out there looking for big love. Um, yeah. Well, I'm so happy Words you've asked wisdom. me this question because uh. I love giving unsolicited advice. But this is solicited. This, uh, yeah, I'm asking. So yeah. yeah, and I was on a mission to find my big love too, and I mm-hmm. did in 2018, and then at the end of 2018, and then we like. Probably had a baby. I was going to say, I, d- I thought it was, I didn't know it no, was like 2018. Very, no, okay. very quick. But I was on a mission. So mm-hmm. I had some rules for myself. Okay, so give us the rules. A bit, a bit like how I work. I had set, I, firstly, I wrote a list of the criteria. Okay. And then as I dated people, I refined the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I, not that I, I mean, there's a little, people like who are into the universe and manifesting and all of that stuff mm. will say the list is like calling it in. But I thought it was just useful as well for being really clear yeah. about what is, you know, like in the moment you can sort of make compromises or get the shiny object. Um, but like you do with your business, you made, you, made you had the, the reference that I you made can keep the coming back that were to really, align with. Yeah. That's right. I was like, what's in alignment for me? So mm-hmm. I got really clear on that and also what I wanted. And um, then I had some rules about protecting my energy because I think that's the hard thing with yes. dating. So Especially again, when, it's a, when, it's a, when it's a long time, you know, and you can go through kind of the ups and downs of enthusiasm and then I'm tired of this, I'm giving up and now, no, I'm excited yeah. again. Yeah. The waves. So these are the tips that I had for protecting my energy. Mm-hmm. No meals on the first date. Yeah, okay. Because I really don't I, – I just want to like – oh, firstly, it's if you're like online dating and mm-hmm. it's chatting, I wanted to get like eyes on them in person really soon. So yes. none of this like we've been chatting for two months and we're all emotionally invested in each other's lives that we've never met each other. I was yeah. like, you know, like straight away I was like, I've got to see you in person and mm-hmm. feel like if there's a attraction or yes. a connection. yes. But no meal, like like um, <laughs> but keep it an hour, coffee or yeah, yeah an a hour, drink a drink or, or a or coffee. Yep. You can always have the meal second. Yes. Um, and then I would do like a few back to back. So yes. I would be like, "This is the look." <laughs> this I like I have in the podcast studio. So the t- guests we line the guests up on a date. Totally, I was you know like. Maybe like not at the same restaurant, but like not ones just waiting in queue. Yeah, while just one like finishes. bar hop up and down the you know hundred meters or something. Yes, just so that I was like, okay, great. Like I'm not trying because you know like trying to fit 
giving all this energy away to mm-hmm. random strangers was hard for me. Mm-hmm. So I would be like, great, this is – I'm investing in one, like, face uh, yeah, and I say don't waste a face is one of my ex- sayings. Exactly. Like, if I've done a face for work or whatever, then I'll pop a couple of dates in So yeah. because I've already blow-dried my hair and done my face. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then if it's an hour or whatever, you know, you can just, like, make it 45 minutes and you haven't, like, had to sit through this, like, awkward, like, to, you know – don't want to be there but you feel socially obliged you can't get up after five minutes yeah you have to sit there for at least a minimum amount of time yeah i love i love the batching and just being the intentional the list i think the list is the main thing and then like for for my first date like i literally was asking who's now my husband you know what schools what he what his that's like not because of like what school, but more like what's your values around education? education? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your philosophies on things? And just I was like, I'm here to find a baby daddy. So yep. like what – tell me about these things. And I'm sure that would scare a lot of men. But not the right oh. man. No. And then before my husband, I thought I had met the right man. It wasn't the surfer one, was he? No. <laughs> No, he turned out to be well. Like, that was that was my first relationship after quite a long relationship that ended up really devastatingly. Okay. So I had no idea. Yeah. And like for instance, we moved in together. I moved from Brisbane to the Gold Coast, and we moved in together. And then Surfable. I realized he had a real problem with party drugs. Right. And that had we'd been going out for like many months, and that had never showed up. The things you learn when you move in. So I think, like, def- like, uh, my experience from that was like, actually, I really have to. I'm not just going to go with the flow. Like, yeah. I've got to really like find out like how you align with values for me, yes. you know, rather than just like take what you've given. And and so that was a big lesson out of that. But I think the other thing was, you know, if you're feeling. it feels like it's really hard at the beginning and you're feeling like unsettled or uneasy or like you can't trust them or you're not in a secure place with Mm -hmm. them, then I would probably think that it's not right. Yes. And I've been in relationships like that where I've just tried to like keep making it work and change myself Mm -hmm. and, you know, when really we – we're great on paper but not compatible in yes. real life. And so now with a bit of hindsight, I would say, well, I wouldn't have put up with a lot of that stuff. That's a I lot of time. It's a lot of energy and focus as well. It was a huge distraction for me personally because mm. I'd be like, oh, how do I change myself and what did I do wrong? And I was like, oh, I've got to keep self-improving so that this relationship goes smoothly when really <laughs> it wasn't the right relationship and that was a sign but I didn't want to see it. So sometimes, Love I mean, that. it's not everything's easy. Like if it's worth doing, it can be hard. But I think when it comes to relationships, it's a good sign if it's easy. Yes, yes. Cool. All right. Well, I will uh, take that with me this week, Tara, on my dating adventures. Best of luck, Midja. They're <laughs> out there. He's out there. I absolutely believe that. So um, let's do, because at the end, talk about a bit of woo-woo. This is a little bit of woo-woo, I guess. Cool. Uh, We have some cards here. So today I have the dream cards and the trust your crazy ideas. 
I'm going to ask Tara to firstly pick a box. Which one? I trust your crazy ideas. Yes, I knew you were going to go with that (laughs) one. How did I guess? So we're going to pick a card and this is kind of the universe's message, Tara, for you. So pick one and then you kind of open the front up. Um, I had Derek Cronin in recently and neither of us could read the card without glasses, so I'm hoping you can read it, Tara. Uh, Oh, I love this. What is it? Creativity takes courage. I feel like that's really perfect for me. The card is always perfect (laughs) for the guest. The card is always perfect. Love that. Now, Tara, where can people find out more about you? We've been talking about your socials and and all of that kind of stuff. So where can people connect, find out what you do? So I'm on every platform. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything's under at Tara Lukey. Mm -hmm. But one thing that if you are into estate planning, you would – might be sorry you may be interested in joining my free facebook group Mm -hmm. the art of estate planning it's actually phenomenal and i say that because it's much bigger than me now Um, there's about 1500 australian lawyers accountants and financial advisors and they are all just sharing everything on estate planning um you can ask any question that you've got it's a really supportive environment if you're there more for the lifestyle inspo instagram is the place at tara lukey perfect well thank you tara it's been an absolute delight having you in the podcast studio today and some some real takeaways from today's uh, episode love it Thank you for having me, Midra. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. So that is a wrap on today's episode. I want you to go out there this week and sprinkle your magic all over the place in your life, in love and in your leadership role. And we will see you uh, next week on the episode, of course. I'm Midja, and thank God it's Monday. We trust you enjoyed this episode of the Mondays with Midja podcast. Host Midja Fisher is a leadership expert, keynote speaker, coach and facilitator. To find out more about Midja, visit midja.com.au or follow her on Instagram, Midja Fisher. And make sure you subscribe, share and leave a review.